And I just wanted to spend three or four minutes <coughs> just uh, reflecting or, or, or really encouraging you to reflect on that passage, thinking about some of the honest questions that came to my mind, I suppose, as, uh, as I was preparing. Am I switched on? Yes. Yeah, there you go. And uh, there's, there's a couple of things on a, a PowerPoint. I don't know, did, did you find that PowerPoint hidden, Steve, or maybe not? Don't, don't worry too much. It was just a kind of a, a, a sort of a framework to, to help you. Oh, there you go. Honest questions. Because I read this passage, and it's an amazing passage. But, but that was the phrase that came to mind. I had some questions, and that's where that song then kind of came into my mind that, that we listened to earlier. And I guess the first question that I ask, and I often ask this, and it's a really good question to ask as you read any piece of scripture, why? Why was the story told? Why is that story recorded in scripture for us? Why was that story told? And we'll come back to that in just a couple of minutes as we ask some other questions. Because I, I was quite troubled by a couple of things. The next question that came to my mind was, how come James gets killed and Peter gets released? That kind of rattled around my head as I read this passage over and again. How come James gets killed and Peter gets released? We haven't got time to to kind of really expand on that. But I, I just wonder, does it help us to see the context in which the story was told? These people were in danger for their lives. They couldn't walk comfortably down the sunny street not risking perhaps unemployment or perhaps even arrest and execution. I think it also, maybe, just gives us a greater sense of just how miraculous Peter's release was because what should have happened was he should have been executed. That was what was going on. That was the movement of Herod's desire to squash them, get rid of them. And it maybe just points us a little bit stronger to how incredible Peter's release was. I guess we probably do feel, to some extent, the injustice of James's execution, although Jesus had said to James, if you follow me, this is what's going to happen to you. So actually, James kind of knew. And of course, we, we in our kind of, our humanity, we forget of James's eternal future. James is reigning with Jesus now in heaven and has been since the day Herod took the sword to him. And it must have been hard. Can you imagine how hard it would have been for those people. But it wasn't for James. <laughs> it was all right for James because James went to be with his saviour. And it is a difficult question, but I guess we just sometimes have to come back 
to trusting in a God who came and was prepared to be executed for us and who is so much bigger and so much greater than our understanding. His ways are not always our ways. That can seem really trite sometimes, can't it, when we're really struggling. That can seem a little bit kind of, you know. But there's truth in that. God's ways are not our ways. It's another question that came to me. Why did the why did the Christians who were gathered in that house why didn't they believe poor Rhoda? Why did they give her such a hard time? When she said, Peter's at the door, no, you must be joking. Why didn't they believe? They were there praying earnestly, please let Peter go. And of course, Peter had been released from the Jewish authorities already. So why didn't they believe? Why didn't they believe that he was at the door? We kind of got a little bit of that as we were telling the story. It must have been a fearful time. Maybe for some of them. Maybe there was kind of, well, we'll pray, but I can't really believe this is going to help him. Maybe just a little bit. A lack of faith. Maybe they, they had in their head an expectation of what would happen, that, that their prayers were, well, Help him to go quickly, Lord. But maybe they were praying with expectation and, and, and just all that had gone on made it really difficult. See, sometimes our faith, I think, is conditioned by what we experience. The last thing that happened to us does influence how we think about what God can do next. And yet, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he prays for them and he acknowledges something that I'd love us just to hear and find Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul prays for the Ephesians saying to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us To him be glory in our church. Paul points us, as Peter did, and what God wanted to do to to God's power and sovereignty. And they needed to get their head around that. But they were human like you and me. And they didn't quite, quite grasp it at the time. But the reality was that Peter was set free. And as Christians, if we follow Jesus, we too are set free. Not from physical chains, from, a, from a, an imprisonment like this, although there are Christians around the world who are physically chained up for their belief in Jesus. But the last question I wanted to ask on the next slide, I think, if I remember rightly. How do we respond to the fact that we have been set free? 
You see, Paul says to the Romans in, in, in chapter 6 of Romans, he says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We're captive to sin until we turn to Jesus. I wonder, do we realise what we've been set free from? Are we sometimes a little bit like Alex the Lion in Madagascar, who actually kind of likes where he's staying in the zoo? He's a lion, for pity's sake. He should be out in the wilds of Africa, but he likes being served up his steak. Great film, if you haven't seen it, rent it out of the library, it's, a, it's, it's good fun. But he's a, he's a lion that doesn't even realise he needs to be set free. Maybe some of us are kind of comfortable in the confines of our captivity of sin, don't even realise we need to be set free. But maybe if we realise we need to be set free, maybe if we acknowledge we've been set free, how do we respond to that? Oh, that's nice. I should go out of church this morning. That's nice. And I'll get on with the rest of my life. That might be how we respond. We might be saying, well, actually, I don't think I really want to be set free. That brings kind of responsibility with it, doesn't it? Well, maybe it's, yeah, 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 but I'm going to do my own thing anyway. Or maybe, maybe it, it kind of sinks in, but there's always questions that hold us back. Or maybe our response to being set free is incredible gratitude to eternal God and asking him to help us live lives that reflect the fact we've been set free from sin, that we can become ever more the people that God made us to be. We're not perfect, but God wants us to be moving towards his image, which will be perfected in eternity. So why was that story told? I guess it was to point us once again to a God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I think it was told to urge us to respond in faith to that God. Yes, perhaps to ask honest questions, but to finish up by acknowledging we have a Saviour who can move mountains. He is mighty to save. And he's set us free. I think that's an amazing thing. 